I appreciate your prayer very much. Thank the Lord. Um, it's a very good way to begin our meeting. I, I'd like to make a couple of points before I get into the next outline. Uh, the first point I'd like to mention is that the two people, you know, we're, we're covering a number of sisters as patterns. The two who ended up in the genealogy of Christ are Rahab and Ruth. Not even Deborah is in the genealogy of Christ, and none of the judges are in the genealogy of Christ. The two most unlikely people are the ones who are in the genealogy of Christ. A Canaanite harlot and a a cursed Moabitess. These are the last two people we would expect to be in the genealogy of Christ. At least I think Deborah ought to be there. No, no. And none of the judges are there. This shows that the Lord, you know, as it says in the New Testament, not many wise, not many powerful, not many well-born are chosen. God uses the weak ones. He uses the ones that no one else could use to bring forth Christ. And as Brother Ray mentioned, uh, Rahab and Ruth were used to bring forth Christ in his first coming. Today, the Lord is looking for some Ruths who will bring forth Christ in his second coming. So I like to remind you of just the main point of the book of Ruth. I'll read it to you. It's from the semi-annual training that we just had. By the way, it's good to get back into Ruth, even though we just covered it, because there's a lot there that we didn't see the first time we went through it. Me too. I'm getting a lot out of this sister's training that I didn't get in the semi-annual training. Okay, let me read this to you. To be a normal Christian, to be one of today's overcomers, to answer the Lord's present calling, and to meet his present need in his recovery, we need to be today's Ruths, to turn to God's economy, number one. Number two, to enter into the land of Emmanuel, which signifies Christ as our all-inclusive good land, and to marry ourselves to Christ, that we may bring forth Christ to meet today's need of both God and men. This is what it means to be a Ruth. It means you you turn to God's economy, You enter in and possess Christ as your portion, and you marry yourself to Christ. And I would add to the church, marry yourself to Christ and the church to bring forth Christ that will meet today's need. 
Today's need is different than the time of Ruth. At the time of Ruth, the need was to bring forth Christ initially into humanity. But today's need is to end the age. We need overcomers to end the age and bring forth Christ in his second coming. Now, another point I would like to make is that Ruth needs to be read together with the book of Judges. Ruth actually is an appendix to the book of Judges. You could say Ruth is a contrast to the book of Judges, but they they go together, and that's why the Bible puts them together. So I just read you the very last verse of the book of Judges, the very last verse, and it's a verse that's repeated over and over in the book of Judges, and it's the final conclusion of the book of Judges. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You could say that verse summarizes, isn't that pitiful? That verse summarizes the book of Judges. Well, in the last session, Brother Ray shared about Elimelech and his swerving from the good land and going to Moab. This is terrible. And the result was his death and the death of his two sons. You know, the Hebrew name Elimelech, it means God is my king. Elimelech had a good name, but he sure did not live up to that name. He was the same as the book of Judges. He rejected God as his king. He rejected Christ as his portion. And he went to Moab. It's the worst place you could go. Then his sons end up marrying women of Moab instead of Israelites. And then they die in Moab, along with Elimelech. Terrible, terrible. But all of this is under God's sovereignty. Then we come to the book of Ruth. Ruth has four chapters. Brother Ray covered the first two. I'll cover the last two. But let me just tell you, there's four main points corresponding to the four chapters of Ruth. The first main point concerning Ruth in chapter one is that she made a choice. I like this. She chose something very different from her background. You know, in Judges, we covered this verse, which I talked about, Judges 5, 16, 15 and 16, about great resolutions of heart and great searchings of heart. Let me tell you who did that. Ruth. Ruth did it. She had a choice. Okay, my husband is dead. Do I go back to Moab? Or do I take a completely different way? Don't you you believe that was not an easy decision? 
You know, uh, Naomi had two son-in-laws. She had two son-in-laws. Let me read to you. Um, uh, the name of the first one was Orpah, and the second one was Ruth. And they were there for 10 years with their husbands in Moab. 10 years is not a short time. And after that, Naomi decided, you know, I don't want to stay in Moab. My sons are dead. My husband is dead. I'm an Israelite. I'm going back to the land. I'm going back to the rest. And she told her two daughter-in-laws, go back to Moab. I don't have any more sons for you to marry. Just go back. Well, Orpah did go back. And very significantly, in verse 15 of chapter 1 of Ruth, it says this. Naomi is talking to Ruth. And she said, your sister-in-law has now returned to her people and to her gods to her gods. You know, the reason Moab was condemned by God was the idolatry. So Orpah made one choice. Ruth made a different choice. How about this? And when Ruth made her choice, here's what she said in verse 16. Your God will be my God. This shows that the choice that Ruth made was not just a human choice. It was not just based on her affection for Naomi. No, it was a choice in God's economy. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. In other words, let's use our language. I choose Christ and the church. Orpah said, I choose my background with its idols. So this is a big point in Ruth chapter one is Ruth's choice. Ruth's choice. Then uh, in chapter two, the main point is Ruth exercised her right. Isn't that wonderful? She, once, once you choose Christ and the church, you've got some rights. You have some rights. You have some God-given rights. That means once we become believers in Christ, we are forgiven, we are cleansed, we have the right to enjoy Christ. I like this word, right. It reminds me of, um, sorry, I'm using my, my paper Bible here. Reminds me of Revelation 22. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. How about that? Have you ever thought about this? Washing the robes, that's judicial redemption. 
having right to the tree of life is organic salvation. And entering into the city is becoming the new Jerusalem. That's our right. That's our right. And that's the right that Ruth exercised as soon as she made her choice. As soon as she made her choice, she exercised her right. Wonderful. Now, we, uh, I'd like to point out just a couple other verses to you before we go on to chapter 3. In, um, oh, sorry, j- just one. In chapter 2, uh, when Ruth exercised her right to glean in the fields of Boaz, here's what Boaz said to her. May Jehovah recompense your work, and may you have a full reward from Jehovah, the God of Israel. You know, chapter 3 of Ruth is on Ruth seeking for her rest. And chapter 4 is on Ruth's reward. Boaz prophesied that Ruth, because she made this choice, because she exercised her right, she would receive a reward. And that reward is described in chapter 4 of the book of Ruth. Okay, I think that's a a good uh, enough introduction. So chapter 3 is the next stage. After exercising her right, Ruth is seeking for her rest. You know, Ruth is a book of rest. Naomi came back to the good land as the rest. And Ruth, after leaving Moab, after the death of her husband, she was seeking rest. Now, let's see what is rest. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I must seek some resting place for you that it may go well with you. Naomi also realized, Ruth no doubt inwardly felt, I left Moab, I have no husband, I followed my mother-in-law, I'm happy, I'm happy with this choice, but I need rest. Really what I need? I need a husband. I need a husband. And Naomi realized this. Not only so, Naomi had the insight to realize that the right person, the proper person to be Ruth's husband was Boaz. Ruth didn't know that immediately because Ruth didn't know that Boaz was a close kinsman to the husband of Naomi. She she couldn't have known that, but Naomi knew it. 
sometimes it's like this. The saints know things that we don't know. It's obvious to everybody except us. It was kind of that way when I got married. The brothers told me, it's obvious. I said, it is? The brothers are usually the ones who are not too clear. In this case, thank the Lord, Boaz was very clear. So here it says, Naomi acted as a middleman in order to prod Ruth to get married. I don't think it took much convincing, but she needed a confirmation. She needed to know that Boaz was really the right one. Now, we should not read this in a natural way. I'm sorry, sisters, I have to say it again, because I have met some sisters who think that they are matchmakers in the church life. And they tell, oh, you know, you should marry so-and-so, so-and-so should marry so-and-so. No, don't read it in a natural way. This is a story of God's economy. This is a story of bringing forth Christ. Naomi realized Boaz is the right person for God's economy and for the genealogy of Christ, for the line of life to bring forth Christ. So she instructed Ruth. The story is amazing. She gave her detailed instructions what to do and Of course, it worked. Now, here's the spiritual significance. Like I said, it's not a matchmaking. No, there's a spiritual significance, and it's in small two. The genuine ministers of the New Testament are like Naomi, in that they stir up the believers in Christ to love him as their bridegroom, that they may take him as their husband. Amen. It's what Paul did. He betrothed us. He had a betrothing ministry to cause us to love the Lord and to give ourselves to him and to take him as our husband. Now, three says the only way for us to have rest is to know Christ as our husband And take him as our husband, living in the closest and most intimate contact with him. You may think that a a brother, a sister, will, as my wife, will be my rest. But I found out. Yes, humanly speaking, it's very nice. But the real rest for all of us. Okay, saints, I'm sorry the uh, the internet server went down, but I can connect with you by phone. Of course, the picture is not so good, but I hope that you can. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Okay. <laughs> So we'll just con- we'll just continue where we left off. Um, the only way for us to have rest is to know Christ as our husband, 
And knowing Christ as our husband is a matter of having the closest and most intimate contact with him. I hope we can realize this, that our our contact with the Lord, our relationship with him, should be like the relationship between a husband and wife. And, you know, in the human life, there are different kinds of love. There's a love between friends. There's a love between parents and children. But the most intimate love in the human life is the love between a husband and wife. And that's the kind of love that we should have with the Lord based on the book of Song of Songs. He wants us to have a personal and affectionate relationship with him. So I love uh, small four. It says if we, if we marry Christ, taking him as our husband, our life will be changed. Amen. Don't you think so? Our life will be changed because we, uh, we've get, just been joined to the wonderful Christ. And now my, uh, my other uh, uh, server has come up, so I'm going to try to get back on that. Give me just a moment. Okay, we're back. <laughs> it's like when a uh, a young woman marries someone, her whole life changes. That's right. And when we take Christ as our husband, our whole life changes. And the picture here is... <clears throat> Look at Ruth. When she married Boaz, wow, what a change. She went from being a despised Moabitess, poor, a sojourner, a widow, to being married to a very wealthy Israelite in the line of Christ. I would call that a wonderful change in her life. And at the same time, it says we will realize that we must have a wife's fidelity. This is why we sang hymn 433. You know, our relationship with the Lord in the Bible is likened to marriage. We, we get joined to him We never get divorced. We just stay joined to him for eternity. And for that reason, we need to be faithful to him. In the Old Testament, especially in the book of Hosea and other books, Israel is likened to an unfaithful wife. Unfortunately, Many times we have been an unfaithful wife to the Lord, but we need to turn back to our husband, learn how to enjoy him as our life and our person, 
and walk and behave in oneness with him. That's what the proper role of the wife is. Okay, we go on to point B. After coming to the good land and exercising her right to enjoy its rich produce, that's all good. But Ruth still needed a home so that she could have rest. You know, I'm sure she, no, there's no doubt she loved her mother-in-law. But would you like to live with your mother-in-law forever? I don't think you could be that restful. So she needed a home. She needed a home. This kind of rest could only come through marriage. Although we may be saved and love the Lord, in order to have a home for our rest, we must marry the Lord Jesus, taking him as our husband and live together with him in the church as our home. I think many of us can testify. Even though we had Christ, until we had the church, we really didn't have a home. And I've heard so many saints over the years, they, they came to their first church meeting, and those were the words they spoke. They said, I'm home. I'm home. This is my home. This is what I've been looking for. This shows that we need Christ as our husband and the church as our home. You know, without both, we really don't have the rest. We really don't have the rest unless we have both Christ and the church. Christ as our husband and the church as our home are a complete unit for us to have a proper and adequate rest. I think we can all testify to this. We need Christ. We need the church. When we have both, we are happy. We're at rest. We're at peace. Now, here's a a point concerning God's economy again. Considered in the light of Matthew 1, 5 through 6 and 16, Ruth seeking for her rest was actually for the continuation of the genealogy to bring in Christ. Here I would like to make a point. This is very similar to the situation of Hannah in the book of Samuel. Hannah had a human need. But actually, her human need corresponded exactly with God's need in his economy. Hannah needed a son. God needed a a restart to the degraded priesthood. So when God answered Hannah's prayer for her human need, he actually fulfilled his own need for his economy. This is the same kind of situation here. When God met the need of this poor sojourning widow, when he met her need, at the same time, 
he met his own need in his economy. Isn't this wonderful? You know, um, I told you I have two daughters and they're both married now. And before they got married, I told them, I said, just let the Lord choose. You'll be happy. And both of them said to me, what if we don't like the person he chooses? I said, you don't have to worry about that. He's, he's way, way smarter than that. He knows how to choose the best person for him and for you at the same time. They still weren't convinced. So then I told them, I said, well, whose judgment do you trust more, yours or God's? You could make a mistake real easy. He, he doesn't make mistakes. Okay, let's go on. Here's an interesting point, point D. Boaz told Ruth, I am a kinsman. Yet there is a kinsman closer than I. You know, in the Old Testament, the, the, the law said that the closest kinsman had the right to redeem uh, the land, the possession, and the wife of someone who died. And actually, Boaz was not the closest kinsman. There was one kinsman closer than him. So he had to go through the process to obtain the right to purchase her inheritance. Well, this is a picture. In this verse, the first kinsman of Ruth's husband, Ruth's closest kinsman, typifies the natural man who cannot and will not redeem us from the indebtedness, the sin of our old man. And this is talked about in Romans chapter 7, Let me just read you a couple verses there. Romans 7, starting with verse 2. Well, I'll start with verse 1. Or are you ignorant brothers? For I speak to those who know the law, that the law lords it over the man as long as he lives. For the married woman is bound by the law to her husband. That husband, according to the footnote, is the old man, not the law. The law is what binds her to the old man. But the husband is the old man. For the married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he is living. But if the husband dies, she is discharged from the law regarding the husband. Hallelujah. The old man died. Our old man was crucified with him. We're not bound to him anymore. We're not married to him anymore. That's the meaning here in Romans 7. It's also the meaning here in in Ruth. 
It's the spiritual significance of the type in Ruth. Boaz, the second kinsman of Ruth's husband, typifies Christ who partook of blood and flesh to be our kinsman. Amen. And who can redeem us from our sin, recover the lost right of our natural man in God's creation, be our new husband in his divine organic union with us, and take us as his counterpart for his increase. Oh, what a wonderful picture. So this is chapter three of Ruth. The main point in chapter three of Ruth is that she was seeking for her rest, which really was her portion of the land and a husband. And thank the Lord, there was a kinsman who could pay off the debt of her dead husband, purchase her inheritance, and is willing to marry her. This is Christ. This is Christ. Now we come to chapter four. And as I mentioned, um, Boaz told Ruth in chapter two, verse 12, that because of her choice and because of her exercising her right, Jehovah was going to give her a reward. Chapter four tells us what that reward is. Chapter four of the book of Ruth speaks of Ruth receiving a reward for God's economy. Again, everything in the book of Ruth Yes, there is a human type, but we have to see it all from the viewpoint of God's economy. As part of her reward for God's economy, Ruth received a redeeming husband. That means a husband who paid off all of her debts. You know, our redeeming husband paid off our debt of sin. And uh, if he didn't, we would have had to die for our sins. Ruth gained a redeeming husband who typifies Christ as the redeeming husband of the believers. Now, as believers in Christ, we have a husband who is our eternal present, and daily redeemer. Amen. Rescuing us, saving us, delivering us from all our troubles. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this was the first reward. The first reward was a redeeming husband. B says, In addition to gaining a redeeming husband, Ruth was redeemed from the indebtedness of her dead husband. This typifies the believers being redeemed from the sin of their old man. He paid off our debt, a debt we could never pay. In fact, the only way we could pay that debt was to die. 
he paid off that debt. That's a second aspect of the reward. Now, a third aspect. Another aspect of Ruth's reward is that she became a crucial ancestor in the genealogy to bring in the royal house of David for the producing of Christ. I can hardly believe it. As I said at the beginning, the two the two women who ended up in the genealogy of Christ were the two worst ones, Rahab and Ruth. And so many good ones did not end up in the genealogy of Christ. This indicates that she had an all-inclusive and all-extensive gain with the position and capacity to bring Christ into the human race. She is thus a great link in the chain that is bringing Christ to every corner of the earth. What an honor. What an honor. Okay, D. Ruth not only became a crucial ancestor in the genealogy for the producing of Christ, but she also continued the line of the God-created humanity for the incarnation of Christ. The incarnation of Christ was a matter of his being brought out of eternity into time and with his divinity into humanity. So C and D are quite similar, but there's a little difference. The the main point in point C is more on the spiritual side to bring Christ as the seed of David to man. But D is more on the human side. She continued the God-created humanity, which was necessary for Christ to be born, for him to be incarnated. So this is the main point of Ruth Ruth chapter 4, is that she received a reward for her choice. And we, we receive a similar reward when we choose Christ and we choose the church as our life's goal, our life's goal. Okay, I think um, maybe it's good. Maybe I'll stop here and... We'll leave a little more time for you to share something. I've sure enjoyed the speaking in this training. Uh, The prophesying has been wonderful. So uh, the brothers will instruct us.